up, Next Level Church. Good to see you. Welcome, everybody, at Plantation Campus. Let me say a quick shout-out to everybody at Gateway. What's up, Gateway? So glad that you're a part of us this weekend as well. Anybody watching online, so glad that you're a part of us, too, as this is week four of our Idol of Me series. And if you missed last weekend, do me a favor. Go back online, nextlevelchurch.com backslash watch, and go and watch Pastor Matt's message from last weekend where he talked about the Idol of comparison, one of the best messages that I've ever, ever heard. So if you missed last weekend for whatever reason, go back and make sure to catch up in this series. But we're going to continue on in this series, week four of Idol of Me, and we are going to talk about the idol of laziness, the idol of laziness. Now here's what I know that can happen when you hear laziness, and we're going to talk about the idol of me and the idol of laziness, is most of us are going to push back and go, hey man, that's not me. Like, I'm not lazy at all. I'm here this weekend. Like, I'm here, so I'm not lazy by any means or, or any area of my life. I'm actually very motivated and very driven, and, you know, I get up early and work out. I'm driven at my job. I'm driven with my family as a spouse and as a parent. So when I hear laziness, like, that's, that's not about me at all. But can I just combat that as we move on this weekend, that every single one of us, myself included, have seasons or pockets of our life where laziness can creep in. So this weekend, we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about laziness. And for some of us, it can be in so many different areas of our life that laziness can creep in. But for me personally, it's, it's always in my health, that my health is always the thing where laziness creeps in. I'm one of those people that, you know, my health and my weight and the way I eat kind of fluctuates from time to time. The reason I know that is because none of you ever come and tell me when I'm gaining weight, but you're always nice enough to come tell me when you feel like I'm losing weight in the foyer, which means if I'm losing weight, that means at some point in time I must have gained weight. So thank you for not telling me that I'm too, you know, that I weigh too much, but thanks for telling me that I look better than I did the season before. So like, specifically this time of year in the fall, uh, the fall is the time for me where my weight fluctuates the most. Uh, it is college football season. It's pro football season. Any of you that say that you can eat healthy during football season, the answer is you're really not a football fan. So because you can't eat healthy during football, there's no way to eat a salad during the game. It's impossible. No way to drink a smoothie during the pregame show. It's just not going to happen. Burgers, pigs in a blanket, chips and cheese sauce, like that's what you eat when you watch football, and if you were to combat that, I would tell you, you're not really a fan, and that's okay. There's other things you can enjoy, like cycling. So, um, so... Yeah, so anyway, this is the time of year for me, the fall. Everything tastes like pumpkin. It's amazing, and this is where I gain the most weight every year is in the fall. I know that because every fall when I start to smile, I can actually see my cheeks when I smile. Like when I smile, I see my cheeks and my eyes squint. It's the number one thing for me that I know I'm gaining weight, and that's okay. It's good, and some of you have told me before, like, man, you've lost a lot of weight. And so again, thank you for doing that. I appreciate that. It always motivates me before the next season, before I gain it again. But this is the season for me. The health is always the thing that fluctuates in my life. And the truth is, is I just get lazy, that I just get lazy in that area of my life. And maybe for us, it's not health. Maybe for you, it's not your health. Maybe it's a financial thing that you get lazy in. Maybe it's relationally that we get lazy if we're single with friends, if we're married with our spouse, or if we have kids, maybe we get lazy in certain seasons of our parenting. Maybe as an employee, we get lazy in our workplace or as a boss, we get lazy as a boss. Students that are here this weekend, maybe we get lazy in our school or our sports or whatever activity that we're in. But every single one of us, no matter what service you find yourself in this weekend, we all have this idea that this laziness can creep in to our life. We, the thing about today's world is we just don't use the word lazy. We say things like, well, you know, I'm just busy. Uh, you know what? I just don't have time for that right now. You know what? I'm just tired. I had a really long week. You know what? That's just not that important right now in that season, this season of my life. But we look on and we don't have the results that we want in certain areas of our life. And I would tell you tonight that we make those excuses. And what that all boils down to is that we've just gotten lazy 
in a specific area of our life. So wherever it is in your life right now that you're not seeing the results that you want to see this weekend, I want you to picture that as we talk about laziness because the Bible has a whole lot to say about this subject. So in order to do that, we're going to turn into the Gospels in the New Testament to the second and third book of the Gospels of Mark and Luke. And if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 14 or on your smartphone, flip to that. Maybe bookmark Luke as we'll flip to that halfway through the message. I want to tell you about an encounter with Jesus and his disciples that we are going to pull some things out about laziness that maybe some of us have never seen before in this story. To set the story up, it's towards the end of Jesus's ministry on earth. And Jesus has been doing ministry for about three years. And we, we find in the story that in Mark chapter 14, what we did tonight was we took communion. This weekend, we're taking communion in all of our services, and such a powerful thing to remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. And right before the story we're going to read tonight in Mark chapter 14, they had the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, where Jesus teaches what, what we talked about this weekend when we took communion. And then after that, they, they, Jesus takes a couple of his disciples, his inner circle, so to speak, and he takes them to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus knew that his life was coming to an end. He knew that danger was looming, and he took his inner three with him, and he went to pray. And he went to pray to God, he went to pray to his father, and he basically goes and says, God, if there's any way that you can pull this away from me, if there's any way, if there's any other way for man, as, if, as the future continues on, to have a relationship with you, can we just do that? Because if I don't have to die on a cross, if I don't have to go through this agony and this pain, if there's any other way, God, can we do it that way? And he takes his three inner circle guys of his disciples, and he takes them to the Garden of Gethsemane. In Mark chapter 14, that's where we pick up the story, and it says this in Mark chapter 14, verse 32. It says, they came to an area called Gethsemane. Jesus told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John, his inner three with him, and he plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. He told them, I feel bad enough right now to die. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell to the ground and prayed for a way out. Father, you can, can't you? Get me out of this. Jesus is going, God, if there's any way, Dad, Father, if there's any way to get me out of this where I don't have to die on a cross, can we do that instead? Father, you can. Can't you get me out of this? Verse 36, take this cup away from me, Jesus pleads. But please, not what I want. What do you want? Verse 37, he came back and found them sound asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, you went to sleep on me? Can't you stick it out for a single hour? Stay alert. Be in prayer so you don't enter the danger zone without even knowing it. Don't be naive. Part of you is eager, ready for anything in God, but another part of you is lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. I love that imagery as an old dog. Part of you is eager to know everything about God and be everything in God, but part of you is also as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fires. You came into the service this week and you got a bulletin. Inside that bulletin, there's a slip of paper that's got some fill in the blanks. I would love for you to pull that out and track along with my, my train of thought throughout the rest of the message because we're going to talk about five things that happen in our lives when laziness slips in. Five things that happens in our life when laziness slips in. Here's the first one if you're taking notes is this. Laziness causes us to enter a danger zone in our lives and we don't even recognize it. Laziness causes us to enter a danger zone in our lives and we don't even recognize it. Did you catch it in verse 38? It says, stay alert, be in prayer, so you don't enter the danger zone without even 
knowing it. Anybody ever known anyone that's lazy? And again, I, again, this message this weekend is kind of we're all talking about this. But have you ever known anybody that's been in a season of laziness? Then you could tell them a thousand times that they're lazy in a specific area of their life. You can look on and tell them they're lazy in their marriage. You can look on and tell them they're lazy in their career. You can look on and tell them that they're lazy in their health. And what's the response every single time you tell someone who's in a season of laziness that they're lazy? No, no, I'm not. I don't, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm not lazy. What are you talking about? Every single time you tell someone who's in a season of laziness that they're lazy, they'll push back on you because they don't even recognize it. That they've entered a danger zone in a specific area of their life and you as someone close to them call it out of them and every single time that person will push back on that because they've entered that danger zone and they don't even recognize it. When we fall to the idol of laziness, we enter danger zones in our life and most of us won't even recognize it. Back to the health thing for me, my wife was pregnant, you know, in the first nine months of her pregnancy or all of her pregnancy, since it's only nine months, uh, the first, so the nine months of her pregnancy, um, I did what any good husband does and I supported her, right men? I supported her mostly in eating habits and I, um, and I, you know, I was excited about that because it gave me an excuse to eat as much as I wanted to. So my wife was kind of into the whole Ben and Jerry's coffee crunch thing, pint size. That was kind of her guilty treat through the pregnancy. And she kind of had this deal where she would eat half a pint and then put the other pint back and the other half back in the freezer. And then the next night she would open a new pint and eat that one and then put that half back in the freezer. So not only did I finish those pints for her in order to support her on a nightly basis, I also kind of went on like a cereal binge. Um, anybody like cereal for dinner? Come on, somebody. Yes, in Jesus' name. Yeah, it's amazing. I, and not only would I eat a bowl of cereal, I would eat three because I had convinced myself that three bowls equaled one half pint of the Ben and Jerry she was eating. So from Captain Crunch to Lucky Charms to Peanut Butter Crunch, Peter Butter Puff, whatever it is, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Honey Nut Cheerios, you name it, three bowls, drink the milk, done. And during that season... Um, my health went a little bit, a uh, little bit south. And our, our our executive pastor, Mike Ash, a good friend of mine, the first couple months, you know, he's like, "Hey, man, when are you going to start working out?" And I'm like, "Hey, man, you know, it's we had a lot going on. Jen's pregnant. You know, I'm supporting her a lot. I don't have a lot of time. Don't have a lot of time to be working out. You know, it's good. So it's good. About six or seven months in, he asked me again, "Hey, man, when are you going to start working out?" And I'm like, "Hey, dude, we're just really tired. You know, this pregnancy thing, it's got me exhausted. I mean, I'm in, I'm in, we're in our second trimester, okay? And uh, you know, so I'm pushing back on him. About month nine, uh, he looked at me and said, "Hey, man." you've gained a lot of weight. You should probably work out. And I'm like, what are you talking about? My button on the bottom's undone, but that's just because it slipped. It's not because it popped out. It's good. No big deal. It's not a big deal at all. And then we, so we had our baby and, and I was at a birthday party. We were celebrating another one-year-old's birthday party and they had a slideshow going on there at the, the, the house and a picture popped up and I actually turned around and I saw the picture and I'm like, wow, who is that guy? I'm like, man, he's huge. Picture, please. Um, I was like, oh, that's me. <laughs> the offensive lineman for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers must have had my baby for a second because that can't be me, but that's me. And, I, and no lie, no lie, no lie, no lie. For nine months, someone close to me had been pushing on me, telling me that they thought I was entering a danger zone in my health in that area of my life. And for nine months, I couldn't see it. It wasn't until I saw that picture that I'm like, wow, I've definitely gained a lot of weight. And here's what happens when we enter danger zones in our life. We cannot recognize them. So here's the question for every single one of us this weekend, no matter what service you're in, what area of your life has entered a danger zone? What area of your life right now is in a danger zone? And maybe you just don't recognize it. Here's the, another question to ask yourself. What's an area of your life that people that are close to you or family continue to bring up to you and you continue to brush it off like it's not a big deal? 
Is it possible that you've entered a danger zone in that area of your life, whether financial or relational or at your job or in your spiritual life or in your health? What is the place that people that are the closest to you continue to bring up to you and you continue to brush off like it's not a big deal? Because when laziness creeps in, we enter a danger zone in different areas of our life and we don't even recognize it. Jesus knew. Jesus knew that his disciples, if they didn't stay awake, that danger was looming and the disciples didn't recognize it. Instead of being alert and on their toes, they chose to be lazy and sleep. Instead, the second thing that I'd love for you to write down this week, and if you're taking notes, the second thing that can happen in our life when laziness slips in is this. Laziness causes us to let down those that are the closest to us. Laziness causes us to let down those that are the closest to us. If you have your Bibles flipped over to Luke, go ahead and do that in Luke chapter 22. Watch how Luke writes about this encounter a little bit differently in Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 44. He says this, he says, he pulled away, speaking of Jesus, from them about a stone's throw, so 30 to 40 yards away, probably close enough where Jesus could possibly still see them and they could possibly still see Jesus. And then Jesus knelt down and prayed. He said, Father, remove this cup from me, but please, not what I want. What do you want? Verse 44, he prayed on all the harder and sweat wrung from him like drops of blood it poured off his face. He got up from prayer and went back to his disciples and found them asleep, drugged by grief. He said, what business do you have sleeping? Get up, pray so you won't give in to temptation. I think that any one of us that have this laziness thing inside of us, and I'm going to go bold enough this weekend to say every single one of us have this laziness thing inside of us is that one of the biggest excuses that we have when it comes to laziness, when people call it out in our lives, is that we believe that the only person that our laziness is affecting is ourselves. But the truth is, when laziness creeps into our life, it has the ability to hurt not only ourselves, but it has the ability to hurt those that are the closest to us as well. Jesus had gone off and prayed And in this story, over three times, he goes off and prays and he asks his disciples, his inner three, the three people that were the closest to him, stay alert, stay awake, pray for me. I need you to enter into the prayer for me, intercede for me so that you won't go into temptation. Pray for me. And three times Jesus comes back and his disciples had fallen to this laziness idea and they had fallen asleep. And Jesus comes back and he's disappointed at those that are the closest to him, the number one excuse people give when, they, when they're called out about laziness in their life is that the only person it's affecting is me. But I would tell you this weekend that if you find yourself lazy in a specific area of your life, it's not only hurting you, it's hurting all of those that are the closest to you. I had a friend that I grew up with for many, many years, and we were good friends, and uh, we played sports together our whole lives. We grew up our whole life. And in 2011, we had not lived in the same city for probably six or seven years at this point. But from a distance, I was watching his life. And I was watching his life just slip away and that he was spending tons of money. He was bouncing from job to job. He was still living at home at 29 years of age. He was drinking and partying like crazy from all of his pictures on social media. And I eventually just made a decision in 2011 to call him. And I decided to put the friend over the friendship. And I called him and said, hey, man, I'm watching from a distance. And I feel like your life's going down a road that ultimately you don't want it to go down. And ultimately, I feel like you're pretty lazy, that you're living at home, you're spending all your money, you're bouncing from job to job. And we pushed back and argued for a few minutes, and we basically land on the idea that he told me over the phone. He said, well, Kyle, what does it matter? Even if I am lazy, the only person it's affecting is myself. And I was able to tell him, well, that's what you think, but your mom and dad and sister and brother have all reached out to me on Facebook and 
over the phone and basically have told me that your mom and dad are working jobs at night, a second job to pay for your insurance, to pay for your cell phone, to pay off the debt that you've brought on, that you're living at their house, that behind the scenes they're sweating blood in agony and with stress because you fall into this idol of laziness. And I would tell us this weekend, listen, if we find ourselves lazy in a specific area of our life, the only person it's affecting is not ourselves. It's ultimately affecting those that are the closest to us as well. So here's the question that I would ask yourself this weekend. Who is that for us? Who is that for us? If we found ourselves lazy in a specific area or season of our life and our marriage, who's it affecting other than ourselves? If we've fallen lazy in our parenting, who is it affecting other than ourselves? Is it a grandparent that's picking up the slack? Is it a mom or a dad that's picking up a slack husband? Is it a wife that's picking up the slack wife? Is it a husband that's picking up the slack students that are here this weekend, whatever service you're in? Is it a teacher that's picking up the slack, that's sweating blood behind the scenes trying to get you to pass because ultimately you fall an idol to this idol of laziness in your life? The biggest thing that we do when we fall lazy to something is we think it's only affecting us. But in this story, when Jesus came back, It had affected everybody, that those that had fallen lazy, they thought it was just them that was sleeping. It ultimately was affecting Jesus, the one that was the closest to them. Where have we fallen to the idol of laziness in our life? And who is it affecting that's closest to us? Jesus knew that if we fall to laziness, that it would not only affect us personally, it would affect all of those that are close to us. Jesus goes on, and the third thing that he, this idea of where do we Where does laziness, when it slips into our life, what does it cause? Is this laziness causes our spiritual life to fall asleep. Laziness causes our spiritual lives to fall asleep. Three times Jesus came back and found his disciples asleep. He'd ask them to intercede for him in prayer. And the truth is, Peter and the two others had fallen asleep because they didn't know that any danger was around. They actually thought everything was okay. So they got relaxed and they weren't alert, and they thought everything was good. And just like the disciples, when times are good for us, the number one area in our life that starts to fall asleep is our spiritual life. That the truth is in today's world that when times are good, everything's good, jobs are good, the the family is good, everything's going well, that the number one thing that has the ability to fall asleep in our life is our spiritual life. But when things go bad, the one thing that we want to do is run back to God and run back to church. And yes, when things go bad, this is the place for the broken and the hurting. Absolutely. But when times are good, that is the number one time to not allow your spiritual life to fall asleep. That is the time you're supposed to be building the foundation of your faith during the good times because bad times will come. And if we do not work on our spiritual life in the different areas of our spiritual lives, when times are bad, we're not going to have anything to tap into. But the truth is, is that when Times are good, our spiritual lives tend to fall asleep because we don't see that danger is around the corner. For most of us, this is why we stop soaping, or this is maybe why we stop attending a connection group, or we make it to two weekend services a month. We say things like, I'll just soap tomorrow. We had a a really long day today, so I'll just, I'll read my Bible tomorrow. You know what? I'll just attend a connection group next semester. This is a really, really busy season in my life right now, so I'll just attend a connection group next semester. You know what? We'll just attend church next weekend. Like we just got busy. We just didn't have time to get there. We had a lot going on. There were birthday parties. You know, we worked late this weekend. We'll just, we'll just attend weekend services next week. You know, hey, we'll start tithing in January. When we get everything straight and financial wise and we get that stuff paid off, that's when we'll start giving to the Lord. And the truth is, is that we take our spiritual life sometimes and we flip it on airplane mode. 
You ever done that with your phone, flipped it on airplane mode? Your phone stays on. It's still usable. There's still a few things that you can use it for, but the thing that happens when we flip our cell phone on airplane mode is that we don't receive any information, do we? And when we take our spiritual life and we flip it onto airplane mode because times are good and we don't see danger around, we flip it on airplane mode, the number one thing that happens is is it's still usable, it's still there when we want to, but we're not receiving anything from God. We're not receiving anything from the Holy Spirit. We're not downloading anything during the good times so that when something bad happens, we have a foundation of faith that we can lean into and tap into. Let me encourage you this week and do not flip your spiritual life on airplane mode just because you don't see danger or bad times looming. So here's the question for us this weekend. Where in your life, what part of your spiritual life is asleep right now? Jesus asked his disciples to pray for him so they wouldn't enter into temptation. He said, pray for me so that you won't enter into temptation because when we stop praying and we stop doing things in our spiritual life, the thing that happens is, is temptation comes back in. That old habits and routines and friend groups slip back in and our life goes down a road that ultimately we don't want it to go down. But that's because we've taken our spiritual life and flipped it on airplane mode. What part of your spiritual life right now, this weekend, whatever service you're in, what part of it is asleep right now? Have you stopped praying in this season? Have we stopped reading our Bible in this season? Have we stopped attending connection groups in this season? Have we stopped serving In this season, if we stopped giving financially, in this season, any time we flip our spiritual life on airplane mode, we can't receive everything from God that he wants to give us in our life. I would encourage you, don't let the idol of laziness put your spiritual life to sleep. He goes on, going back into Mark in verse 39, and he says this. He says, when when he went back and prayed the same prayer, Jesus left them after telling them they had fallen asleep, and he went back and prayed The same prayer returning, he again found them sound asleep. They simply couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't have a plausible excuse. I love that line. They didn't have a plausible excuse. He came back a third time and said, are you going to sleep all night? No, you've slept long enough. Time's up. The son of man is about to be betrayed into the hand of sinners. Get up. Let's get going. My betrayer has arrived, the fourth thing that laziness has the ability to do when it slips into our life is this, is laziness allows the enemy to sneak up on us and steal that which is most important to us. When laziness slips into our life, the enemy wants to sneak up on us and steal that which is most important to us. Jesus kept coming back to his disciples, his best friends, the people that were the closest to him, and he'd asked them to do things, and he kept coming back to them, and they had fallen asleep, and in the meantime, the third time he went off to pray, and these guys had fallen asleep and fallen idle to laziness again. The enemy, Judas, one of Jesus' disciples who ultimately betrayed Judas, snuck up on him with the enemy, and he betrayed Jesus, and The rest of us, most of us know the story that it goes on that Jesus ends up being trialed and over the next 24 hours Jesus is tried and convicted and beaten and humiliated and spit on and he ends up dying one of the most humiliating deaths known to mankind, crucified on a cross. And the disciples looked on and they missed out on the last several precious hours they had with Jesus because they fell idle to laziness and when that happened the enemy snuck up on them and took that which is most important to them, Jesus. 
Now, for all of us theologians out there, I'm not saying that if, this, if they would have stayed awake that the story would look any different. Just go with me on principle here. I don't think the story would look any different. But what I do know is that the disciples, his three closest friends, missed out on the last few precious hours they had with the most important thing in their life, Jesus, because they fell idle to laziness. And the truth is, is that in our life, when laziness creeps in, that's exactly when the enemy wants to come in the back door of whatever area of our life that is, and he wants to still kill and destroy all that's good in our life. The Bible's clear that there's an enemy of our soul and he's sly and he's sneaky. And I think that one of the, one of the biggest places that he'll sneak in the door of, he'll walk through the door, sneak through the door of laziness in our lives, and he'll try to kill, steal, and destroy that which is most important to us. So here's the question this weekend. What can you not afford to lose? What can you not afford to lose in your life. Because married couples, when we use the excuse of we're just really tired, we'll do date night next week. And then it becomes a lifestyle. Is that when the enemy wants to sneak in that door and convince one of you that you're not as important as you used to be in that relationship? Teenagers, when we get lazy in the classroom, is that when the enemy wants to sneak in and in our minds convince us that we're not good enough to go to college, that we're not good enough to make better grades, that we're never going to be good enough to do what we dream and we want to do? Business leaders, is this where when the idol of laziness creeps in that we want to run our business on Christian principles, but then when we get lazy, the enemy sneaks in and there's things happening with our employees that integrity is dropping because we fall into the idol of laziness? Parents, is this the place where when we find ourselves in a season of laziness when it comes to our parenting, that our, the enemy sneaks in that door and tells our kids, that's okay, it, it really won't be that big a deal. Your parents won't care. Because as long as I've been following Jesus, I'm always aware and I'm more aware now than ever before that the places where we get lazy in our life is exactly where the enemy wants to sneak in and kill, steal, and destroy all that's good to us. So let me ask you the question again. What can you not afford to lose? And is laziness the thing that can ultimately steal that away from you? Number five, the last thing that laziness can cause us to do in our lives is this, is laziness can cause us to miss the biggest moments of our lives. Laziness can cause us to miss the biggest moments of our lives. Jesus in the next chapter, Mark chapter 15, was crucified that they had the Lord's Supper like we took in all of our services this weekend where we took communion and Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room and then he goes on and predicts Peter's denial of him. And then in the next chapter, Mark chapter 14, that's the story we just read of Jesus taking his inner three to the Garden of Gethsemane and praying to God that God would pull this away from him, that if there's any other way for man to have relationship with the Almighty God, could we do it that way? And then the next thing that happens in Mark chapter 15 was Jesus' death. This is hands down the most important moment in history, right? That we wouldn't be here today, we wouldn't be worshiping this weekend, that we wouldn't even have a faith like we have today if it wouldn't have been 
for this moment. And again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if the disciples would have stayed awake that this story would have looked any different. What I'm saying is, is the disciples fell to this idea of laziness. They weren't alert. They weren't on their toes. They had fallen asleep several times. They had disappointed Jesus. Their spiritual life was asleep. They weren't praying for him. The enemy snuck up and took what was most important to him. And ultimately, they missed the last several hours that they had with Jesus. And they missed out on one of the biggest moments in history. What do you think Jesus would have told them if they were awake and alert in those interactions in between instead of being upset with them that they were asleep? What do you think that he would have said he heard from God? What would we read differently today if, if they wouldn't have fallen idle to laziness? They missed out on one of the biggest moments of their lives because they fell idle to laziness. It became an idol in this moment in time. Is it possible that some of us have maybe even already missed some of the biggest moments of our lives because of this idea of laziness? Is it possible that some of us have missed out on some of the biggest moments in our spouse's life, our kid's life, our friend's life because laziness has crept into a specific area of our life? And listen, I'm as convicted about this as anybody. I'm as convicted about this as anybody. Listen, there's a big difference between rest and laziness. We work five, six days a week. We should rest one or two days a week. But there's a difference between rest and laziness. Rest recoups us, but laziness demotivates us. That when we rest, it recoups us. But when we fall to the idol of laziness, the ultimate thing that happens is that we become demotivated in our life. Don't mistake laziness with rest. They're not equal. They're not equal. What if we commit it today that we're going to get back on the balls of our feet? That maybe we've fallen in a specific area or we've been in a season of laziness and it's actually become an idol to us because it's just easier to kick our feet back. It's just easy not to worry about it. It's just easy not to engage that area of our life right now. And we might use excuses like we're tired or busy or we had a tough week, or it's not that big a deal, or we're just procrastinating on it, but the truth is, is that we can use whatever excuse we want to. Just like the story said, sometimes there's no plausible excuse. We just fall to laziness sometimes. Let's not miss the next football game that our son's playing in, or our daughter's cheerleading at, or our son or daughter's playing in that band, or maybe they're just a student that wants you to come. Let's not miss our next daughter's recital or ballet performance. Let's not miss our spouse's awards night that they get just because we're tired from our week. Let's not miss out on what God wants to do and what he wants to communicate in our lives by not being here regularly or not reading our Bible or not praying, and I'm not doing that to tell you that, man, if you don't read your Bible, you're in trouble. I'm just telling you, listen, when we don't and we put our spiritual life on airplane mode, God has so much more for us when we're on the balls of our feet and we're engaging in Him. So let's not allow laziness anymore to get us in danger zones. Where's that place that maybe you're a little naive in and you're pushing back going, it's not a big deal. 
Let's not enter danger zones anymore. Let's not let down those that are the closest to us. Some of us need to leave this weekend and we need to call somebody and apologize for how they've been sweating blood behind the scenes and stress and agony because they're working so hard to make that area of our life better for us. Let's not let our spiritual life fall asleep during the good times. We need God during the tough times, but the foundation of faith will come as we dig in during the good times. Don't let laziness keep you from doing that. Do not let laziness allow the enemy to sneak in the back door and take that which is most important to us, spouses, parents, business owners, single people when it comes to your friends and your relationships. And then let's commit together as a church that we're just not going to miss out on the big moments anymore. Big moments always come when we least expect it. And when we're on the balls of our feet, we get to experience it. When we fall idle to laziness, we miss it. Let's not miss the big moments anymore. So great, Kyle. You know, awesome. We came in tonight. Now we all leave feeling lazy. Um, so how do we actually do that? How do we actually make sure that we don't fall to this idol of laziness? Two things. The two things I've learned in my life that, um, again, they're very practical. They're not going to be anything that you've never heard before. But two things that can help you to not fall to this idol of laziness is this. Number one, set some goals. Set some goals. Here's the mistake we make in our life. We make big long-term goals. We forget to make short-term, reachable, attainable goals in our life. It's hard to get to the big one if we don't have short-term, reachable, attainable goals to get there. I would encourage you, make some 30 to 60-day goals that are reachable in the specific area of your life that you look on and you're not having the results that you want, that maybe laziness has crept in. Make some 30 to 60-day goals in that area of your life. And then number two, get accountable about them. Get accountable about them. If you're single, share them with a group of friends. If you're a spouse, if it's health, maybe share them with somebody else so that your wife's not like, hey, you need to work out, fatty. <laughs> um, so maybe share those with somebody else. Uh, if you're a teenager, maybe share them with your small group at our youth ministry on a Wednesday or one of your best friends. And let's be a church that's willing to set goals and be accountable about them and ultimately not have laziness creep into our lives so that we can experience everything that God wants us to experience on this earth. This life is short. This life is short. Let's not look back in the years to come and be disappointed that we missed out on some of the biggest moments of our lives because we had fallen idol to the idol of laziness. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for putting so many different things in it that are so applicable to our lives today. God, I know this is one of those topics where we come in and ultimately maybe we push back right away because laziness is this thing that makes us look at ourselves and admit to something that ultimately none of us want to admit to, God. But myself included, every single one of us deal with this laziness idea in our lives, whether it comes in seasons or whether it comes in a specific area of our life. And God, I pray that tonight, God, that this word would seal to our heart. God, if there's a spirit of laziness on anyone right now, whatever service they're in, God, I ask that you would break that off of them. God, that if we've been missing some of the biggest moments, God, if the enemy's been trying to sneak in and steal that which is closest to us, God, if we've hurt some people that are the closest to us because of this laziness thing, God, I ask that tonight we would leave this place changed, setting goals and getting accountable about them so that we can live life to the fullest. And God, we know that when we're in your word and we're chasing after you, we can live life to the fullest. So God, I pray over every single person in every service here,
today, God, that we would leave this place changed and we would be a group of people, we would be a church that would not fall to this idol of laziness, that we would go and live our lives how you want us to. And that's experiencing everything that you have for us as long as we're here. We pray this in Jesus' name, whatever service that you're in, if you agree, amen. Amen.